Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast, your spot for everything Dynamo. I'm your host, the Sinsky Man, and with me today is Scroggins. Hey, Sinsky. And Jake. I think Daft Punk said it best when they said, one more time. And Kyle. One more time. And Manny. I can't believe we're still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach. Hi. And producer Ian. I'm a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> And that's everybody. So we're going to take one last look at the 2022 season by grading positions, looking at surprise players and MVPs, highs and lows of the season. Let's get to it. We're going to start off with the predictions we made at the very beginning of the season so that we can see how we did. Manny, remind us of your prediction so that we can make fun of it. Wow. Okay. Well, I picked 10th, so maybe I was a little optimistic, but not actually too optimistic because we were only three spots below that. Do what you will. I got to say, I really thought you were totally wrong. I was I was so jazzed up at the beginning of this season. Am I wrong? Like, I thought for sure we were making playoffs. I believed in Pat Onstad, and look at us now. It's like, it's like we actually watched a season of a TV show where the good guy, that would be yours truly, like fell and into like some sort of dark and despair. If you guys have watched Rings of Power, there's a parallel there somewhere. <laughs> I was going to make a reference when you got to me. Let's go. Come on. Don't make your reference because I bet it's better than mine. Go ahead. No, you got you got to ask me about my prediction first. Okay. Well, Jake, what was your prediction? Uh, well, before I say this in, in my defense, uh, hope is never mere, even when it is meager. Uh, and I believe <laughs> in my heart, uh, that we would we would slide into playoffs and uh, get hot at the right time and make a run into the conference final where we would ultimately lose to Seattle. Now, who could have called Seattle not making the playoffs this year? It's literally never happened. So that's not on me. And also in my defense, I thought that Hector Herrera would be better than he was uh, and <clears throat> play more games than he did. And I also thought that we could bring in one uh, creative player, which we didn't do. So uh, none of that happened. And so none of my prediction happened. And uh, I, I think the are. problem, Jake, I think the problem, Jake, is that uh, we didn't look up. We looked down. And so like a rock, we sank. <laughs> we didn't float like a boat because, you know, boats look up. Um, and so that's that's the problem there. And um, that's moving. I, I was looking <laughs> I was looking down obviously and that's why my predictions was pretty much spot on I I said last initially I said last but then when we got into an argument in the very first podcast shocker um, what? I I said we are not finishing above 12th I I was uh prescient I think is the word we're all looking for you know I've um, never looked for that word in my yeah, life. Yeah, I was just like, let me pull out my thesaurus. What is that word? For this specific <laughs> word. <laughs> he just made it did up. You, he doesn't know. Did you say Prussian? <laughs> I said precious. Uh, just got little oh. rings on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is as good a time as any to let everyone know we're going to be transitioning into being a Lord of the Rings podcast. Uh, <laughs> <next> <laughs> well, rings of power be- over. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do a whole wrap up on that one, too. That's what's gonna we're going to be just as sad about that that as we are about the dynamo season um i will say eh. uh just just i've enjoyed it just in transparency you would sinski um, <laughs> i did too just in transparency uh i did say that we would finish above austin um which did not happen so i got it like half right um where is austin now 
Uh, it's in Texas, I believe. No, still in California. It's still <laughs> yeah, in California. No, it's absolutely still in, in California. Still in Cali. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amen. Oh, Lord. All right, Kyle, what was your prediction? Uh, yeah, I said, uh, and I quote, happy if not last place. Kyle, You're a happy, happy man. Happy? You happy, Kyle? I, yeah. Yeah, I, I about nailed it, as, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Scroggins said that he called it perfectly, and he, I thought he was going to conveniently leave out the part about us finishing above Austin and instead Austin finished 10 places above us. So, oh. uh, now, nah, but yeah, I, uh, not last place, which you know what? I'm a happy man. Thank you, San Jose. Well, I think I had the best prediction. I thought all y'all's predictions were wrong, but, uh, mine was all really close to being really close. I said, <laughs> I said we would just miss playoffs Turns out we were the very first team in the MLS to miss playoffs. So maybe what I meant to say is that we would just miss playoffs, you know? <laughs> the uh, only thing we're going to do playoffs, is miss playoffs. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else. I think that's what I was thing. Punctuation is a phrase, yeah. <laughs> but we did start off strong. We had a crappy middle and just not good enough at the end, you know? It just, it just wasn't good enough. So I feel like I was mostly right. Y'all can y'all can agree with that, right? You, you, you got like a choice. The, you got the shape of the season right. It just needed to be knocked down a couple pegs. You had just <laughs> too high up. You know, still had the curve, but it just had to be like subterranean. Is all. Yeah, I really should have known with the uh, coaching hire that I was making a very ridiculous prediction at that time. But I was still super hyped. New owner, new GM. Things looked like they'd be going great. There was some talk about a big DP coming our way. DP striker made. I was, I was pumped. I was like, all you need is a couple good players in the MLS. Well, Dynamo Wrong. still needs a couple good players. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we ask Zach and Ian what their predictions would have been at the beginning of the season, or is that not fair now because they have the whole the whole season to see? I'll be honest. No, I'll be honest. I'll okay. be honest with y'all. Um, my prediction was that the Dynamo were going to do just as well as Sinski. Hope that they would. I believe in Sinski. Dang, shoot! That, I'm that pretty sure I thought that the Dynamo would just miss the playoffs, which they did just miss the playoffs. If we're going back <laughs> to what Sinski was saying, <laughs> just they'll just miss the playoffs. <laughs> they would just comma miss playoffs or something in there. <laughs> I, I think I'm I think I'm legitimately worried about myself at this point in time because I was more cynical than the guy that's half British. <laughs> <laughs> I need therapy. But you were also more right. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ugh. that's that's me being 50% more American than Ian. That's that's why. Dang. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's an insult, but then again, everything that's going on in the UK right now is just not good. So there's more ways than one. Yeah. (laughs) The whole world's wild. You know, and I mentioned that uh, the coach should have been a clue to us that the season wasn't going to go particularly well. What do you guys think was his biggest fa- uh, failure? I want to start with Manny. Biggest failure on Nagamura's part. Yeah, I actually mentioned this during the season, probably towards the end, maybe right before he got fired, uh, was that he didn't have his guys. I think we saw that Bundy in you know his five games, um, even if it wasn't the guys that we might have wanted to see every time, he had his guys. Like Those were the guys he was going to be starting. Those are the guys he could count on. Naga went 
how many games? Thir- like 30, uh, what was it? How many games do we have in season 34? So he went 29, 29 games with not really knowing his guys, you know, always changing it up. Even when there wasn't injuries, like, yeah, I think that for me, that was his biggest thing. He just did not have his guys. Like he didn't know his team, which means he didn't know his team. That's what it felt like to me, at least. Kyle, do you agree with that? That was his biggest failure, not knowing the team, or do you think it was something, something else? Mm, I think his biggest failure was wearing a, uh, a light little puffy vest in the Texas summer on the sideline. I think that was his worst mistake of the season. I don't know. Somehow that never came up on the pod, but I was just thinking that, that he was, what is, that? What is this guy wearing? Guy. It is too Guys, hot. We here. missed a huge opportunity. We could have had a whole, like another little sub pod just dedicated to the attire of <laughs> dynamo players and coaches. Next season, next season, next season. Dyna we'll fashion. Start a, uh, that sounds yeah. <laughs> like a great like Twitter or Reddit thread. Um, and, and on a serious answer, I, I think I don't know if I necessarily agree with Manny. Um, Twenty nine games is quite a lot, and I know in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that much. But I feel like with the amount of tinkering this guy did, um, if we had maybe just seen some a little bit of consistency right there in the middle of the season. I feel like we wouldn't have seen as many dropped points from winning positions. Um, if he had really had a core group of guys that he could trust and believe in and, and vice versa believed in him, you know, like we saw um, at several points in the season where it really looked like the team was like, you yeah. know, in it for the dude. Uh, I think he lost that. And so, uh, and I think, I think that to me boils down to him not trusting a group of guys consistently throughout the season. Ian, get in here. We haven't heard enough from you, producer. And for me, Naga's biggest failure, and every time I think I got to sneak on Diana Bros, because one of you one of you guys was mysteriously missing. Um, I think I said the same thing every time. Like he never he never got his tactics consistent. He never figured out how he wanted the team to play. That was the just absolutely the reoccurring thread through every single lineup change through every single weird game plan execution is just that he never could get like a consistent approach built within a starting 11 to develop any form of um you know any form of consistency or get a what's that word rhythm yeah, you, he couldn't get any rhythm going. Like there was just mo- no momentum that he was able to build with his with his selections and his tactics. All right, and Zach, I think you're going to be the last one to speak on this one. Go ahead, tell me your opinion on Naga's biggest failure. Why did we have to let him go? Yeah, I think he actually kind of hit on it with um, with you explaining away your absolutely ridiculous prediction that I also supported which is that we had, we had a big striker coming in, right? Like early on, we were all really optimistic about Sebas. Um, that was a really exciting signing. And you're kind of right, you know, in that a lot of the MLS is kind of made on, you know, feature players like that. And uh, we're kind of hitting on it, talking about his form and his inability to find rhythm, um, you know, with the roster that he inherited. But I think his biggest, his biggest failure was not recognizing how to play into Sebas Ferreira's strengths, right? That's good. We've seen him, we've seen him late season kind of come out 
and start to earn his keep and kind of earn the reputation that he brought with him when he got signed. Um, and we've pretty consistently seen that that comes with, with good service. He really needs to have that support from the midfield and Naga never, never built the midfield to support Ferreira. If anything, we saw him like, con- like consistently inconsistent in the midfield, constantly changing, you know, the lineup, the structure and the, the, the system of play for the whole first half of the season. And we saw it all the time. We talked about it in the early pods for having to duck back all the way to the other side of the half, you know, to try to get the ball and do something mm-hmm. with it. Cause nobody was getting yep. it to him. And, you know, we were all like, Oh, maybe he sucks. Maybe he doesn't. We don't really know yet. And then now at the end of the season, we can kind of look back and be like, no, Naga just had no idea how to feed the boy. And I think, I think that one piece, if there's any one piece could have been, you know, the kind of the hinge that the whole season turned on early and we could have had a lot more momentum. To be fair to Naga, though, nobody else on the field knew how to feed Ferreira as well. So <laughs> there's only so much he can do, right? And no one was ever in the right position to get him the ball. Like a 10? No. Like that position? No, no, no. Cantero <laughs> oh, like was always standing. Cantero was always standing right next to him. They were practically holding hands. I don't see what the problem is here. <laughs> can you just get him the ball right there? <laughs> Man. I mean, the your pass completion for a two-inch pass has got to be really high, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. The problem is DQ never looked at him when he was passing it. It was always a back heel, you know? <laughs> back heels FC. That's what we are. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. I think we never had the right players around him. I don't think we had the right players on the squad really to support him. And you could say that that's on Pat Onstad, not, not bringing in players to, to support that. I think we all thought Hector Herrera would be, um, would have a part to play in that somehow. I don't know exactly how, but in my imagination, Hector Herrera was supposed to make the entire team better. So like a, a one man Superman, but that was obviously foolish. So Naga's gone, contract terminated, adios, long live the king, the king is dead. So now we need a new manager. So Scroggins, is there somebody you have in mind? When we were talking to Glenn Davis, you threw a name out there. I wish I could pretend I knew who that was. Is that still a guy you would like to see in charge of our Houston Dynamo? Yeah, that was uh, Pellegrini, Pellegrino Matarazzo. Uh, I don't, I can't remember his first name appropriately, but uh, Matarazzo was a coach at Stuttgart. Got them promoted out of out of uh, the second Bundesliga, and uh, kept them up in the first Bundesliga for like the past three or four years. Uh, he's American, um, and and so I think he he's a good shout, but he doesn't have MLS experience. I know Pat is valuing that. I think uh, another good. Look, uh, a guy that I think would be ideal, actually, is the current uh, manager of the Uruguayan national team, Diego Alonso. He was the first head coach of Inter Miami and basically got a really raw deal there. I thought like he was developing like intentional styles of play, but they pulled the plug really quick so that Beckham could hire his BFF, uh, Phil Neville. Um, and so a great forum. It, I mean, now. Now it was really rough there. I don't, I don't know if you kept up with them, but they were straight trash for so bad. bad. Um, but uh, I think Diego Alonso. Let, let's look at Diego Alonso. Let's give Matarazzo a call. You know, um, wait till after the World Cup, see if you can throw a bag of money at Roberto Martinez. He's he said he wants to coach in America. Like the the Belgian golden generation is 
is fading. So why not get out now? You know, like, let, let's see if we can pull him over. Why not? Um, I, I just like some of the names that came out on Twitter today. Oof. Like, I, I don't want those, you know, <laughs> but I just threw out three great names. Pat, I know you're listening. Uh, just give him a call. You know, shoot a text message. See what happens. Can you imagine a, a bigger step down from coaching in a World Cup to coaching the Dynamo? <laughs> I can imagine a bigger step down. I can. There's not many, but I, I can't imagine. <laughs> There's this guy named Kubo. I have Kubo. a very good imagination. A very good imagination. <laughs> I'm excited for Jesse Marsh to be the head coach of our team because he's about to be let go from league. And is that too soon? You guys are Don't making say it. Don't say it. So I'm excited to see him come to back to America, lead the Houston Dynamo to many MLS championship glories. Um, but honestly, I don't really keep up with managers too well. So Jake, is there anybody you have in mind that might be a good fit, smart choice? Yeah, um, there was a guy that uh, was manager of DC for like 10 years. Uh, he did essentially <laughs> nothing Stop with it. notes. Um <laughs> He got 50 points one season. Uh, one season. Yeah, he had one of the worst seasons in MLS history. Uh, he he coached his team to something lower than even the Dynamo uh, could previously have aspired to. So I think we should give him a call. Uh, Stop See it. if we can maybe it's fly the him down for an interview. Yeah, I think that'd be the, great. The thing that kills me is that he, like all the DC United fans, for those of you that don't know at the time of recording, this just happened on Twitter. Uh, ben Olson's been linked to the head coaching position. All the DC United fans are like, "Oh, get ready for mediocrity." In my head, I was thinking that would be a step up uh, for for us to be mediocre. Oof. It was, really but sad. I feel like that this franchise has more inertia of being terrible than Ben Olson has of being mediocre, and so oh. like the middle ground there is not a good spot. <laughs> Who, who's what likely if, to who drive who down further is actually what would like happen. Missionary right? dating, man, that's a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> I feel then, uh, like there's what about his painting teams? career, you know? Now, I mean, that's in, actually in gone reality, pretty well, in reality. I hear. Oh, I, I've heard he's a good artist. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Legitimately, yeah. He could coach in Austin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they actually like their head coach there. Um, but yeah, uh, really though, someone to get us excited, right? Like we have no DP spots open for this year. Now we can argue that back and forth about whether it's a good idea to make Coco a DP for one single year. Um, but this year it's going to be tough to get a signing that moves the needle in terms of like fan buy-in, right? So get someone like Tata Martino, get someone like the several names that Scroggins just listed off, get someone that, can generate interest in the, as Glenn put it in y'all's amazing interview the other week, get someone who can excite the authentic soccer fan in Houston. There are, I want to make the joke that there are literally dozens of us, but there are like dozens of hundreds or dozens of thousands of us in this metro area. Like get us pumped. Ben Olsen moves the needle, not in the right direction. Um, So I'm really, really hoping that we see something to be excited about in this coaching search. I feel like there were only two managers that did worse than the Dynamo manager did this season. So I, they're the only names who can't be on the list. And unfortunately, that's you, Ben. So you're not welcome here. <laughs> Pat. We've told him a thousand times that Ben Olsen hasn't coached since 2020. I don't think since he gets it. No, he does not. Get what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Is he not the coach for them right now? <laughs> not counting no. Wade. No. All right. Producer Ian, cut this. Producer Kyle, <laughs> if he doesn't cut this, I need you to cut both of these things. <laughs> All right. So he's been gone for a little while. Who is the guy who tore it up this year in a negative way? Uh, he's not getting interviewed, so I don't care about him. I bet he'll get an interview. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, tell me I'm wrong. Okay, enough of this. That guy doesn't coach anymore, so why would we even bring him in? He's retired. So next, we're going to grade each position, and I don't mean the literal position. I mean more like the bands, right? Keeper, defense, midfield, attack. There are several teachers in this podcast or former teachers, and so letter grades is what I'm looking for, okay? I'm going to start with, who haven't I heard from? Zach, go ahead and grade the keeper position for me. All right. So we actually talked about this a little bit pre-recording. Um, I think we're all in agreement that our our keepers are probably, um, and when I say keepers, plural, I think we all know that I'm really just referring to Steve Clark, uh, that our keeper position is kind of the, uh, the surprise MVP of our season. Um, I think that that's more like choosing the least smelly, uh, can of garbage in a sense you know it's like no offense to you steve like i know you're listening to you did great you did really great but it's kind of hard to give you a whole lot of credit relative to how the rest of our team did so um i think i would give our keeper uh position a b a b out of Oof. yeah pretty good you know and and that's the joke we made beforehand is like you're like a like a scranton b you know but like a like a new york d or I think we we went ahead and just said L.A. in the context of this. Houston B, L.A.D. keepers. Which is yeah. ridiculous because our keeper mostly stood on his head versus L.A. teams. What is that? What's that like really nice area in Parks and Rec? Like Eagleton? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. yeah so so yeah. you're saying like a, a Scranton B and Eagleton not B. I think it's a Houston A. All right. Steve Clark killed it. Scroggins gave him so much bull at the beginning of this season, talking about, oh, Portland doesn't miss him. Who's going to miss a 36-year-old? I'll tell you, the Houston Dynamo are going to miss him when he's 40 and retires or whatever it is. He has been so good for us, immediately submitted himself as the number one keeper in Houston Dynamo history. No, stop. What? I will say that every time, Pat. I will say that every time, (laughs) Pat. Even when you're on this pod next season sometime, that's my goal. I think we need Steve a new host. Clark we need a new host. Incredible. <laughs> Manny, you could try and take this from my dead cold fingers. <laughs> Manny's the Eagleton one here, by the way. I'm the Scranton guy. I don't remember what the town is in Parks and Rec. Jake, okay, go ahead is in the office. We're really mixing our metaphors. <laughs> That's make what references I like to, to all the shows. I like to make mixtures, not solutions. <laughs> well, anywho, I, I do want to stand up for Clark a little bit on a realistic note. Uh, I won't say he's the best keeper we've ever had, but I think that we can ease off of the uh, he would be a D anywhere else. I looked up his statistics. He's in the 80th percentile for um, save percentage, and he did outperform his like expected goals against. Uh, so I, I think he was in the 87th percentile for that. So I do think he is a solid B, B plus. And I do think that he, and I haven't looked up stats on this, I would guess that he kept us in games more often than he put us out of them uh, and that he won us more points than he lost us. I think that Clark, if next year we're going in, Clark's the guy, totally happy with it. B plus. 
All right. That sounds like a solid A to me. Let's go ahead and check out the defense. Manny, how would you rate our defensive band? C-ish? C? Yeah, like C minus C, probably in there. Uh, Too many goals allowed. Um, Not enough enough play from the fullbacks, like going forward that I would have liked to see. Obviously, that could have been part of tactics and how, you know, the lack thereof of tactics. But uh, yeah, overall, you know, teenage with all his yellow cards and kicks to people's faces and accumulation <laughs> to uh, red cards uh, didn't really help the, the band out. Uh, Tim Parker was dead for a few weeks. I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah, that's that's got my upset about losing the badge. That's what happened to the captain's probably, probably. a little butthurt about that. But uh, yeah, see any any arguments on that one? I feel like I feel like it's pretty. That might be I, that might be generous. That might be generous, actually. I said C minus. I said C C minus. I looked it up and we surrendered uh 56 goals. Um, there were six teams in the entire league that surrendered more. And uh we were the there were two other teams that surrendered 56 as well. So I think a, a low C, actually, like a C minus or so is is pretty accurate. It feels right, you know. How many points did we lose though? That winning positions ahead. yeah i feel like that really brings us down some i i can't give us higher than a d i'm not know. how many games did we lose to one yeah all of them what is like <laughs> we up one i mean i just it was uh 24 points 24 points lost yep. from winning positions right yes yeah yeah i'm on board at not giving higher than a d uh, I oh just, dang jake's an yeah. optimistic one too that's huh. I just, I think the defense really let us down and, you know, you guys know, I love Tim Parker, um, but the inconsistency back there in positions, maybe that was Naga's fault. Um, injuries was a problem. Red cards was a huge problem. Yellow cards. So the defense just, I think they kind of let the team down. Um, do we want to put our fullbacks in the defensive band or the attacking band? That's up to you guys. Let's move on to uh midfield. Producer Ian, how would you rate the midfield? Some of our uh, highest rated players are probably in those positions, but I don't know if anybody would be super thrilled with the way our midfield played. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you put it well there. I think some of our potentially best players were in the midfield, but I think as a unit, the midfield was not good. So C minus, I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can give a much higher grade to a team that finished, you know, second to last in the conference. How often was Coco our only actual midfielder? Mm-hmm. Kyle, Co- what do you th- Coco can get an A plus 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 plus, but if he's the only one out there, that's yeah. Kyle, you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I don't know what that is, but uh, I, <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will agree with some things and disagree with other things. Um, I think so. As far as midfield goes. Yeah, I think I think Ian's spot on. Like we have we have the makings of having a very good midfield. Like on paper, our midfield should be good. But right. when it's, you know, Hector Herrera who's coming in injury prone and plays, you know, 12 minutes of the season, um, and you've got Coco who's trying to do everything. And then you've got you know, Matias Vera in there and Darwin Sarin picking up a red card five minutes into a game. Like it's just like I think as far as you know midfield and defense grade goes I actually think our defense was not as bad as maybe you guys do 
because I think our midfield played much worse than they should have. Um, and, and like, I love Coco, but the senseless yellow cards from that guy early in the season, Matias Vera underperforming dramatically HH being a major letdown. I'm going to say our midfield is a D plus and our defense is a C solid C. I'm going to go solid C for defense, neither plus nor minus. That's my ratings. So you're saying maybe if the midfield was better, the defense. Yeah, because I think the defense had more potential bright spots like Griffin Dorsey. I think Tim Parker, you know, it's kind of the I I don't really know how I feel fully about Tim Parker, but I absolutely know that 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 dude played for the badge every single time he played. Yeah. And he was willing to do anything for his teammates around him. He was willing to do anything it took to keep that ball out of the net. So I think because of those two guys alone, I'm going to give the defense a higher score than the midfield. And I don't like Lundy. So, you know, (laughs) how dare you? Just kidding. I like Lundy just fine. Low blow. All right. Let's move on to everybody's favorite part of the field the attack. I want to know what you think, Scroggins. Rate them. F. 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 As an F that attack. F word. Wow. Okay. I yeah. wasn't expecting that. Maybe I'm just bad at watching soccer. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think they get a failing grade. Um, because like if, if for nothing else, strictly because Darwin Quintero was always like for the first two thirds of the season, like getting piggyback rides from Sebas. Like he was jumping on his back. Like, let's go buddy. And, and then Fafa, like refused the pass, refused to pass the ball to open players. He just, I'll dribble it out the back or run into a player or whatever, or kick it directly at the keeper. Never pass it to the open man. I mean, like name one player on our attacking line that you would say, yeah, on a breakaway, that man's going to score or that dude's lock stock, two smoking barrels. He's a threat. You can't because they don't exist. I disagree. I think Sebus was a threat, but I don't think there's anyone on a fast break that you can say would win that. Jake, go ahead, get in there. Yeah, sure. There's a there's a letter grade that we're all neglecting. I think many of us don't quite know about this little letter grade. We're used to A through F, F being the worst, A being the best. But unbeknownst to many of you, there is a letter grade in G. In G stands for no grade. It is for when students don't come to enough classes to get a grade on their report card. And I am giving our attack minus Sebus an NG because Because they never showed up. We have wingers. Did we? (laughs) I am unconvinced. They were absent and tardy at best. I feel like we just played a whole bunch of center forwards and asked Fafa to play off on the side. He didn't want to do that. Uh, Asked bear to play off on the side. He couldn't do that. (laughs) I mean, it just, I just, I never understood the attacking lineup. And F is pretty wild. A no grade, I think, is a little bit more acceptable. I've, I it's just, literally worse. <laughs> I, it's, but at least then you can be like, hey, there was potential here and we just don't know. You know, that's like the, that's like the nice letdown, you know? Hey, it's not yeah. you, it's me. <laughs> we need a great personality. We're going to have know? that manager come in that can work them into becoming the students that actually hand in work instead of just not showing up at all. That's, that's the manager we need. Okay. Now that you've made dream big, I've got to go back to Scroggins because his he's way better. Let's fail him and get rid of these players instead of hope someone can come in and make them better. Scroggins, you had your hand up. Go ahead. Well, 
I, I do think there was one attacker that we had that consistently, like I was happy and excited uh, to see this person come in. It, it was Pasher. Pasher That's money not true, was though. always exciting. Uh, super sub coming in. I would get pumped. I, I was like, he's going to try something. Zach J, get my back. Maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. He would look, we had these discussions like mid season. He wasn't good on a start. We didn't like starting Pasher. Pasher did not look good when we started Pasher, but when Pasher came in at 70 minutes, he was like, all over their defense all the time. He was the only person who could come in off the left or the right and actually get the ball to somebody. He was like just begging for assists. He could have sunk it in the goal. You know, he could like, you guys, knew it watching him. There is a reason we let him go guys. He was not yes. performing off the it's because he didn't have a domestic player status and no one realized it. Yes. That too. Remember that? They were just but, like, Oh, I thought he had a, he doesn't. Oh, I guess he's got a, I guess he's got to get out of here then. If yeah, we were if we were a Montreal based team, that would be fine. Double standard. I don't like it. Yeah, but, that's true. But anyway, I just y'all are y'all are got some orange colored glasses. Use Glenn's phrase when looking at Pasher. He he had some brilliant moments. I love his goals. I always have him in my heart. But he was not the guy. We needed to let him go. We need to let a lot of these players go, and we got to be okay with that. This team. He was bottom of that list, though. The money that he was on for the contribution he made, he was absolutely the bottom of that list. I would put Pasher over Fafa. Pasher over Fafa or Beard every time. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Like, Fafa, trash. Like, just just incomprehensibly bad. Baird, when utilized correctly, better than Fafa. Right? I'm going to say... I'm going to say something highly controversial in this podcast i want to because i think i, might I actually agree with sinski here i think y'all are <gasps> oh, engaging whoa, whoa. Ian, cut that. <laughs> Ian, cut get him out of here get him out of here y'all are engaging in some serious revisionist history pasher had like two good performances off the bench and that was really all that he did i mean but there was many so many times he, he came in and looked totally flat i mean it just wasn't adding to the overall performance of the team. And well, I was any was anybody down. adding to the overall performance? <laughs> yeah, are we talking about the Naga dynasty here? And then we're actually applying that to Basher? What Especially a double standard Di- Dynasty is a strong word for Naga. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was a type of dynasty. You, you, you people have taught history. You know that a dynasty like of dynasties. Failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't but have to last like long. Just rebellion immediately put down. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. Well, that's the grades. I I think that's what makes our podcast so interesting is that we all look at soccer differently than the way I look at it. So I think I think as a team, what it, what do we average out to there as a team? D plus maybe. D plus <laughs> yeah, to C minus. I think we were generous. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that no grade. Steve Clark, I think that no grade really hurt us. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve Clark. Keeping us barely yeah, doesn't alive. a no grade, grade just like nullify the whole average? You just can say yeah. like, oh, there, there, well, there wasn't enough credit to be given. We're not anyway. graduating. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> My wife earlier goes, uh, we were talking about the Dynamo and she goes, um, can the Dynamo get relegated? And I was like, uh, unfortunately, no. We if cannot. only. Yeah, we'd be really good in that league. Yeah. <laughs> Tear it up in the USL. Actually, no. Might have actually we made barely a beat a USL, USL. team. Yeah. We don't know that. <laughs> might be. We might be primed for that double drop. Uh, I definitely think San Antonio 
would have given us a few uh, runs for our money for sure if we had to play them multiple times a season. But I, de- I definitely would have like I definitely would have been primed for the Netflix series Dynamo Till I Die. Um, <laughs> so that would have been great. Would have brought in some money too. Probably have a good some notoriety, some name recognition after that. But let's go ahead and move on. Surprising players of the season. Now, this can be a good surprise, you know, like a birthday surprise. Hey, or this could be a bad surprise, you know, like you want, you get home and you find out your shower is like busted and there's water all over your house. Good surprises, bad surprises. Manny, what was your big surprise player of the season? Uh, I'm going to go bad surprise and it has to be Acha Acha. Uh, we were all so pumped for him to come and we really thought he would, you know, change and give shape to our midfield and structure and like some just solidarity in there. Uh, and that did not happen. And that's what happens when you only play 12 minutes in, in a season and then, you know, decide that it's not worth, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was really injured the whole time. I don't feel like he was actually injured that whole time. Maybe that's just the cynic in me. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I has got to be my sad surprise for the season and i bet uh, i bet jake's got a a good surprise of this season so i'm gonna ask jake i think i'm gonna hear from a lot of you guys but let's go jake i think it has to be dorsey i think that he yeah he played so well at right back so not perfect finding stretch of the imagination and yes he played a more advanced role which was more demanding for the center backs behind him but he got the ball forward so well I, I don't think I saw that guy give up on a play one time this year. Um, I feel like I'm giving him a participation trophy here. Uh, his goal against <laughs> LA was incredible. Um, and I think that I was not surprised at how well he got up the field, but he really grew into the defensive parts of his job as the season went on to the point where for me, I, I stopped thinking he's neck and neck with Zeka. I was like, he's, he's better than Zeka, right? Zeka looks smooth. Dorsey gets the job done. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Uh, Zeka always looks really good on the ball until he wasn't on the ball anymore, or until he put in a cross that went absolutely to nobody. Yeah. Uh, so those are those are uh, two. I think the the surprises that most of us are expecting. Uh, go ahead and give me give me a surprise that is is out of the box, Zach. I don't know if it's fair to say it's out of the box. I, I hope that there's people out there that listen to this that also agree that Lundy had a pretty good showing this season. I don't know if I think Jake's going to come at me with stats and probably make me feel really stupid, but I just, I can remember so many moments over the course of this, you know, momentless season where I thought, <laughs> oh my God, how is Lundy doing that? Like, why is he there suddenly in the wing? Like he had five assists, I think this season. Am I wrong? Yeah. He I think all team. those, all those assists were huge. Like every single time we saw Lundy in the attack, like getting the ball where it needed to go again in a season where our midfield had no idea how to put the ball where it needed to go. It was like, it's, it's kind of like Dorsey. It just really feels like our defensive backs were kind of running the attack when Fafa and Baird and Memo, I see Scroggins and other players were not completing, you know, passes through the middle. And so for me, it was Lundy. There were just so many moments where I was like about to give up on a game. Like, I'm just going to pause this and watch it tomorrow. And then, and then Lungfist comes out of nowhere and changes the momentum and changes the style of play and kind of opens up the game for a little bit of hope every once in a while. And so I can't say that statistically he earns it, but I think, you know, idealistically he earns it for me. He was surprising to me. It was always exciting to see him 
get up into the attack out of the backfield whenever he was playing. Well, that's fair. I'm surprised nobody said Thor, but that's okay. Let's go oh, ahead. Yeah, Thor was good. Also, <laughs> the only reason Lundy wasn't a surprise player for me is because I, I knew he was great. I love Lundy. He's fantastic. Kyle. I'm with Kyle. I think y'all are overrating him. All right. Team MVP. Mine is obviously, well, actually, I say obviously, but this is a toss-up. I had two guys that I thought really did their best, but I'm going to go Steve Clark for MVP. I really think that uh, he was kind of the captain on the field a lot of times. I felt like his uh, he had a lot of heart for the Dynamo and for the Dynamo fans, which is pretty interesting because he just got here. You know, this is his first season. So I'm going to give it to Steve Clark. But uh, producer Ian, you've been a little silent. And I feel like there's a question that's up your alley because it's thoughtful. It's like intriguing. Go ahead and tell me who is your team MVP for the Houston Man. Dynamo. I don't want to hear any Arsenal players. <laughs> I'll save that. Season just got started. Uh, this is actually a really, really tough question. I mean, I was trying to sit here and think about like who really would qualify as the MVP. And I think the the best shout I can give on a team that was pretty much MVP list throughout the whole season. Other, other than Clark, because I would probably say he had the biggest, like just general impact. I, I guess I'd probably have to go with Coco. Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason, the reason being, you know, I think he, for the most part, kept the midfield semi-functional throughout the season. Um, and, you know, midfielders are always really hard to quantify uh, outside of like a, an obvious goal or assist contribution here. So yeah, for me, I just think in terms of like the passing, the f- style and flow of play and, you know, may, if, if I had numbers in front of me, I'd probably talk a little bit more about his defensive contributions and stuff like that. But I think, you know, he was consistently involved which I think is potentially the best thing that we can say about any of the players on the Dynamo. So yeah. for me, that that's what kind of qualifies him as as potential team MVP. Yeah, somewhere around the halfway point this season, play always went through Coco, and I mean he was really starting to make this his team. So I can I can give that a fair shout. Uh, Kyle, I want to hear about your MVP. Yeah, uh, if you'll indulge me, I'd like to redefine MVP just momentarily. Uh, from most valuable player to most violent player. And I'm going to give it to Teenage Shadabi. This is what we're here for, folks. <laughs> oh, man. That's, Coco was, was right there with him on that, though. Coco, Co- had, a Coco lot of had a lot of... He had a lot of senseless yellow cards. Teenage was... He was going for the kill in most yeah. of his challenges. Do you not remember since he killed a man, his last red card? Like that's, <laughs> that's pretty much what he did. He took out his <laughs> own leg and the him? player's I hope head. he's okay. It's like the Terminator. The only one who can beat me is me. So <laughs> I'm going into the hot lava. Tim so, Parker uh, almost gave him a run for his money in that regard because there was a lot of just like Tim Parker bodying people throughout yeah. the season moments. I think Tim Parker kind of has a reputation in the league. I don't, I'm not, I've not read anything about this or talked to anything about this, like with my inside sources, but it just feels like Tim Parker was allowed to do things that no one else is allowed to do. I think he literally picked someone off their feet and moved them in an altercation at one yeah. point. So, I mean, how that's not like, hey, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I loved it. 
with with all of my heart, I thought it was one of the more incredible things I've seen a soccer player do. Usually they feel like fall over and in, in like pain from the wind blowing. And he just said, I am the wind and I'm about to blow you over. So like incredible. I but, mean, in terms of the rules, as long as you're not like touching somebody in the head, face, neck region, or using your cleats in some way, shape, or form to harm another human being, you pretty much can get it, you know, yellow peak range there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I choked like a, a guy once and it was okay. So. <laughs> once? <laughs> different league, different league. Yeah, it's international. Sorry, Weston. Yeah. I'm going to say Tim's got that dog in him. Okay, boys, for sure. So this season wasn't devoid of high points. There were there were some epic things. There were Dyna Bros where we were happy, guys. I want to hear some of this. Now, Jake, you were one of our most optimistic guys on this pod, me and you holding up that flag. So I'm going to go give it to you. What was the high point for you? So I'm not going to go with like the best moment, the best record or the best like statistical thing. Just the emotional high moment for me this season was without a doubt, the game against FC Dallas at home where Hector Herrera made his debut. I've never, I've been to full stadiums at, at a PNC before uh, in games where we lost and the crowd just got really mad and threw paper airplanes at Alexi Lawless. I've been to games where we won trophies. Uh, I was at the U.S. Open Cup final. I saw DeMarcus Beasley lift a trophy over his head, and there were literally dozens of us who were excited about it. But I have never seen the stadium get that lively, get that loud, uh, get that into a game where they were cheering tackles, they were cheering clearances, they weren't just cheering goals, they weren't just cheering like the regular things, like they were in. And I saw for like just a moment what maybe the rest of the season could be before it went fleetingly away. Um, but in that moment, I still think that is like a little slice of what Dynamo support can look like. And it excites me. So that's definitely my emotional high point of the year. Man, that's awesome. Hector Herrera is like a Sildor. Okay, guys. That moment when he picks up his father's broken sword, okay. cuts the ring off of Sauron's hand, and we all know in this moment, evil is defeated, quenched, quelched. The ring's going to go into the fire, and then he looks and he says, no, it's mine. Hector Herrera did that to us, guys. We don't know that. I'm so glad that you still have hope for him, Jake. I do, I'm yeah. so glad. That's not an unusual thing for a player to have a rough first half of the season when they switch leagues. Like that's or, that's happened in the MLS plenty of times. Yeah, a lot of really good players come to the MLS, have a rough first season because it travels different, things are harder. This country's really big. I do get that. I think that's fair. It's um still possible. Now, that can't be the only highest point, Scroggins. Go ahead, give me another. I mean, Man, it's, it's goals. It's got to be Sevis's goal from from midfield with Austin, right? Like, yes. Not only did Such he score that incredible goal, but he also injured Stuber. Like, in and <laughs> uh, it was amazing. Like, we got a two for one thing. Uh, their keeper got hurt. I mean, it was just beautiful. Uh, for me, that was the highest point of the season. I was never happier to be a Dynamo fan than that moment uh, all season long. We hear because the Dynamo it was soon game. ruined by losing that game. We did lose it. Nope. In the exact <laughs> way that Scroggins said we would. 2-1. Yeah, I think those are both great high points. 
um, you really were ecstatic in that stadium, Jake. I remember like just watching you and like you could we could see it like way back. It was after. amazing. Yeah. And we all went crazy on that Sevis goal. I mean, the the yeah. the chat was exploding. That was one of the more incredible goals I've seen. So I was pretty excited about that. Can't believe he didn't win MLS goal of this season. I voted 20 times for him. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I voted, I had to then vote for like save of the season. So I only voted for saves that were made against the Houston Dynamo because they must have been incredible if you're getting a save off of us because <laughs> our guys are, are the best shooters in the league. Uh, but every mountain has a valley, right, guys? Ooh, so good. <laughs> thank you. Wow. <laughs> so, Kyle, what is uh, what is your low point for this season? When, where was rock bottom? You know, Dwayne, the rock bottom. Um, I'm familiar with that person. Um, he is a uh, former wrestler in the WWE. He still sometime part times it, and um, he's more known now for his uh, cinema skills. He is a legend in a uh, comedic. Yeah. Movie. So, anyways, um... <laughs> he works with really short guys. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, the if I'm recalling correctly, the six one loss to Philly, six one seven one somewhere around there was was pretty brutal uh i was watching that game with some buddies and it was man it was hard to just like just keep the game on you know as long as we did it was i think we turned it off around three or four um yeah i think that was one of that i I remember distinctly hh just looking like absolutely dismayed in that game like what have i done like what what decision have i made to lead me to this moment losing six one to a bunch of under 20 you know players up here in philadelphia like that that was pretty brutal yeah that was that was just like a heartbreaking moment but at least they did that to dc twice so we could take some solace there zach i want you to give us the other low point of this season what would you say um i don't know if you guys remember or not but there was actually a period this season where if you count like non-league games we went on a on a six game lossless streak do you remember this like in april we like didn't lose a game. We just drew and won for six games in a row. Does anybody remember this? Can you remember this at the that end of the season? That would be the Dynamo again. That exactly. doesn't sound real. That doesn't sound Everest real. Farms remembers. Exactly. Thank you for reinforcing my point. That whenever we um, lost at the end of that six-game lossless streak to none other than FC Dallas, our most bitter rivals, uh, that was my lowest point because because I allowed myself to hope, right? Like Naga seemed like he was finally getting it together a little bit. The team was playing pretty good. We were like, guys, we went six games. We haven't lost yet. What's going on? Is this it? We thought we had some momentum. Uh, and then, and then we lost to FC Dallas. So I think that was when I deflated everything else after that was kind of just like kicking a deflated balloon. Like I'm the deflated balloon and I'm just getting stepped on, but that was when it started. We lost to FC Dallas in April and it just hurt so bad after six games of not losing to anybody. To be fair, that was like San Jose and like RGV Toros and stuff, but still. <laughs> you know, that, that is a good point, though, because I do think we all were feeling the hope returning and thinking this this really could be a, a playoff pushing season. This is Naga could maybe be the guy. Maybe we misjudged him. These players are playing for him. And it just turned out to just not be the case. And we just got our booties handed to us a lot of times. And in games where it seemed like, like we would establish something and get things going. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, no, we're the dynamo. We're going to, we're going to give it all up. So 
I do think that was a really, really big one. I'm a bit surprised about that. I uh, wasn't even thinking about that. So that was a good one. Let's go ahead and talk about, and this will probably be our last um, kind of season in review, I would say, question. And it's players who got a bad rap this season. Maybe we were a little too hard on them. They were better performers than we gave them credit for. And if anybody says Corey Baird, <laughs> I swear you're wrong. Five- I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that Emmett added a note like into our pre-recording notes. Well, Corey Baird's at the top not here. So <laughs> <laughs> five games at the end of the season, a contract contract winneth you not. So that's all I'm going to say. Scroggins, is there any poetry class? Well, I didn't even know. He's been on fire tonight. (laughs) He's a teacher. There's a show on Amazon that could, maybe you could write for them. (laughs) Very big budget. (laughs) I do know, I seem to know a bit more about the lore than they do. I'll I'll say that. I I really do. Um, Scroggins, I want to hear from you. You're one of the biggest like haters on this pod. Wow. <laughs> and if you want to if you want to apologize to me for giving me the hard time, now's the <laughs> He's just the he's just the crankiest on the pod. He's not the biggest fan, he's cranky. Uh I'm just kidding, Scroggs, but I really do. Who do you think is uh who do you think we were hard on or maybe the fans in general? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. Um No, it's not. We all know what you're going to say. No, you don't really. Uh, I think <laughs> I think the uh, the fan as he changes his answer. <laughs> no, no, no. Scrambles. Um, Where are my notes? <laughs> I'm powerless without my notes. Um, I I I legit think that the fan base is uh, was way too hard on Tim Parker. Like, absolutely, way too hard on Tim Parker. Um, I don't understand where all the hate is. The dude fights for the badge more than anyone else. Um, he gives it his all he, you know, his, his time here, he's been handcuffed to, uh, Valentine who like would, I think struggle to start for a USL championship side and, uh, Zeka who quits running after 20 minutes of soccer or Griffin Dorsey, who is learning the position as he's playing it. And in Tim, the whole time is being the captain and in the real captain of the team, not like the pretend captain of the team that Ache Ache was when he came on, but, but like the real guy, um, I think the fan base is way too hard on Tim Parker. Now, who was I personally too hard on? Um, you're, you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but I, Corey Baird, I think when, when Bundy stepped in and started using Baird differently, we started to see his quality. Uh, and, and I think that makes all the, I think that made all the difference. So personally, you hit him Corey with some Baird. poetry, <laughs> shut him down. Poetry. Team wise, Tim Parker. Uh, I don't have any poetry for you on this one. I do think you're wrong. Corey Baird's trying to get a you contract. Always think I'm had, wrong. It's true. I think you're all wrong. It's kind of my cat, <laughs> <laughs> but, but maybe it's me. It's not, but. Corey Baird's contract, <laughs> he had a few good games under Bundy. Bundy only really had two good games as the head coach. Um, maybe you could say three. Um, had the LA Galaxy game gone differently, then this conversation might be a little differently. But Corey Baird showed up in a couple games, and again, where was he all season? 
Manny, you've been begging to get in on this pod. You're the most patient man. Go ahead. Give me your player that you wish to apologize to. Or maybe you think we should apologize to or the fans in general, not just you. I feel like in general, we should be apologized to for going through the full season, like watching this team. Yes. Um, so if <laughs> any apologies are owed, I would say it's mostly to us, but I will I will call out some players that I think we can apologize to. Um, I think that I think that uh, Sebas, I think we were really hard on him um, probably for maybe like a good two thirds of the season. And you know, some of us realized that uh, it was because of the service he was not getting. Um, some of it was because he wasn't getting playtime that he didn't end up with as many goals as we would have hoped. Uh, but I think there was definitely a patch in there where we were a little hard on Sebas. And uh, overall, I don't think he deserved it. He ended up 13 goals out of 34 games. So it's a little, you know, a little more than a, a goal every uh, every three games. Not bad when you're not getting, um, when you're not having the players around you that you actually need. Uh, and I'm also Sinski don't, don't hate me. We mentioned, we mentioned Lundy earlier with the most assists for the season with five, uh, Baird ended up with four. So second most assists on the team. <laughs> I don't think he should get it. I don't think he should get another con another contract out of that. I'm going to say that I, I don't want to keep him, but, uh, maybe we were a little too hard on Baird. We were not go ahead, Jake. <laughs> Y'all are some ass in here saying that we need to apologize to players that finished this low on the table. Tell me that Sebus played well in the beginning of the season. Please, I want to hear you say that Sebus played well when he couldn't hold the ball up to save his life. I want you to hear me. I want to hear you tell me that Baird deserves an apology from me for the performances that he gave us on the field for like what five sixths of the season for 90%. There's not, no, no one on this team deserves an apology from anyone. They finished what 13th out of 14. When they finish in the playoffs, I'll issue some apologies, but until then they owe us apologies. That's it. No one else gets to talk about who we're going to apologize to because again, and I can't stress this enough. It's no one. (laughs) You don't feel like we should maybe apologize to Ache Ache for like luring him here. <laughs> that man took a toll. Five million dollars a year, so no. And I think I, I already did that when I jumped on those few Dino Bros. That's fair. Jake going hard. Jake going hard there. I think we need to apologize to Memo Rodriguez for wasting all of his potential and maybe Still his no. career. There it is. We're waiting. There, it, was. there yeah. it is. Here, <laughs> let me All explain. Right, that's to you. the season. Froggin, <laughs> Memo would have been a great MLS player ten years ago. Okay, <laughs> ten years ago when he was and fourteen, he was sixteen ten years ago. Since if he was as good as he is now ten years ago, he'd be great. All right, and this would not be a Dynamo faithful podcast if we didn't give some sort of prediction. So there's still the MLS playoff conference finals and Dinobot. That's right. Your friendly neighborhood Dinobot prediction for how it's going to play out. Dinobot's prediction for Western Conference Championship. 76% chance LAFC win. 24% chance Austin FC win. Dinobot's prediction for Eastern Conference Championship. 69% chance Philadelphia win. 31% 31% chance 
New York City FC win. Dinobot's prediction for MLS Cup winner. 49% chance loser FC win. 32% chance Philadelphia Union win. 11% chance New York City FC win. 8% chance Austin FC win. Dinobot would like to thank you for allowing him to share his predictions with you throughout this season. Dinobot looks forward to next season's predictions. Dale, 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 Dynamo, and stay faithful. Man, that's a whole lot of numbers for some non-Dynamo games. What's next, Sinski? Yeah, <laughs> who told who told Dinobot that they could, you know, predict results for teams that we don't even care about? I think we all know that Austin is going to take the championship, right? Like, because it's just our worst nightmare season this this season. No, our worst nightmare season is already not happening because neither Sporting nor Dallas are going to win the title, and those are the <laughs> only real rivals. Yeah, why would we care about a team from California? I don't, I don't get it. Doesn't matter. I just so I just don't want Austin to do any better than they already have because the the default MLS team where I live is now Austin, and. If you're wondering, are Austin fans as insufferable outside of Austin as they are in Austin? The answer is yes. Rough. Help me. I have a really good friend who's an Austin fan, which is really frustrating. And he has been rubbing it in on Twitter and group chats all over the place. And I am sick of it. The Dynamo need to be better next year. Pat, you heard it here first. The Dynamo need to be better next year. I the first time he's heard it as if that never no one else has him. said anything to him about how that's bad been the problem well, nope. and he can, he can start by not hiring ben olsen that'd be a great start <laughs> who you, you better not knock on wood the head coach of dc united this season guys did y'all know that it was last <laughs> I no idea i think 2020 was his last time i heard that somewhere i heard that somewhere yeah, well, yeah i have heard that so Let's get to our fun wrap up. This comes from Manny Fresh, our very own. He said, you have to get a tattoo to memorialize this season. What is it and where is it? Scroggins, where are you getting this tattoo? Oh, um, I am definitely getting a tattoo of the moment where Teenage Adebi kicks that guy in the head. And I'm going to get it as a tramp stamp right on my lower back because... That just seems appropriate to me. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's provocative. Kyle, where are you getting yours? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get um, a tattoo. I'm going to get a neck tattoo because I think it's just absolutely the worst tattoo you can get. Classy. And it's going to be, because it is. It's it just symbolizes like a, a terribly low moment in his season. It's when Coco changed his fro to uh cornrows that's that's what for one game and he played terrible that's and the we can never find him on the pitch yeah man so that's that's what i'm getting we got you'll so be the coolest tattoo. guy in your crossfit club kyle <laughs> all right zach i know you're a bro tag guy so what would you get i, I don't know what that means since but um i would definitely... is where groups of people get the same tattoo oh oh, oh. thank you um i would definitely um i'm going biblical uh, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Naga's name actually tattooed, but on my heel, um, because that's where I feel like he belongs after this He's season. A snake. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce it over to Jake. All right. Well, uh, we were talking about classrooms earlier, and I do want to say that Kyle stole my answer. 
Um, but I do have a little bit of a different twist. I, uh, I will be getting a tattoo uh, or would be don't, don't check later uh, a tattoo of Coco. Uh, I would put it over my, my left side of my chest over my heart, right? That's, that's where this team belongs. And Amen. it would be, yeah, it would be of him. Uh, my favorite player. I think the best player on this team with the cornrows instead of the Afro, because as much as I loved this team, uh, much like uh, Coco's uh, dreadful hairstyle that day, there's something that's just not quite right about it. But, <laughs> but though there's something that's not quite right about this tattoo, hopefully in the future, it will be easy to fix. I can put the fro on it and all will be well again. Ah, that's beautiful. Man, it's got layers. It's an onion. <laughs> you Manny, with poetry again. Oh my gosh. I got that one from the master Shrek himself. <laughs> Manny, this was your question. Where are you getting the tattoo? Yeah, so I'm getting the full back tattoo, right? Oh, okay. Uh, it's uh, a it's Acha Acha's face. All right. Um, and there's a l- little bit of backstory I need to give here to understand this maybe a little bit. There's an SNL skit with Fred Amistad where he does a, a Mexican Saturday morning show. And he does this catchphrase and it's, ay Dios mío. And he does this face. So it's going to be Hector Herrera doing the face with ay Dios mío on top and bottom um, with that with that face. That's that's the tattoo. Because you're assuming that's the face that he makes every morning when he wakes up and he realizes he plays for this team. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, because it goes with the Mexican Saturday morning shows, it works really well with, you know, it it just all fits. It all fits. I I love it. Full back tattoos are pretty dope. You can get really detailed. This this uh, MMA artist, uh, Kimo Leopoldo, I believe it was, had a massive crucifix on his back. So that was pretty wild. I remember that's probably the first like back tattoo I ever saw, because most time you see people, they have shirts on. So (laughs) that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that reminded me of. All right. Um, I love that that whole thing ended with a reminder that people wear shirts most of the time. Oh, mm, in case you're mm, unaware. Yeah. Yep. They do do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's true. All right. Producer Ian, you've had time to think. Go ahead before I give the last one. Right, so I actually have two ideas. Okay. So the first one is probably my more serious answer. But what I would do is I would get the original Houston Dynamo logo tattooed on the palm of my hand so that when I'm so that when I'm face palming because the team is still bad next season I can look at something and remember the good times <laughs> and then my and then my not and then my not serious one which Kyle's actually bringing up in the chat Wait, that right was now is that my not serious one is that I would get on my thumb. I don't know why I have picking a hand theme, but on my thumb, I would just get a dish of butter to remember the all the good jokes that we had this season. <laughs> yeah. Mild butter. I feel like Ian's answer was like the equivalent of like, I'm going to tattoo the dynamo winning on the inside of my eyelids <laughs> so that I can close my eyes and see a game that I actually want to enjoy. I have found personally tattoos are best in sleeves. So I'm getting a whole <laughs> sleeve, my entire left arm from the top of my shoulder down to the end of my wrist. All right. Now at the base of the wrist is Sebis Ferreira 
at half pitch, kicking, had just kicked the ball. Top of the shoulder, you're going to see a keeper falling around in the net with the ball <laughs> in the back of the net. That's that's the Austin goal right there. Okay, and that's that's my goal for next season. Is for so is the rest of your arm just green? No, it's PNC. It's PNC. Very photorealistic grass. Now here in the middle of the arm, somewhere around the elbow crook. I'm going to have Steve Clark in there like he's in goal and he's going to be standing on his head doing a handstand. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how he played against LAFC. I'm going to have Gareth Bale crying. All right. On the (laughs) forearm. Why can't I score? And then, you know what? I'm going to have us open cup. What could have been on there? Cause I feel like, if only we had played a little better, that could have been ours. You know, ML, MLS, <laughs> put cup. MLS Cup on there. Right too. here on the other side. Um, what is in between forearm and wrist? That area there. You know, it's still kind of skinny, but you could see there there should be muscle there if you're a normal sized person. That's where it'll say MLS Cup. What could have been? And then on the uh, on the bicep, supporter shield. Because maybe we didn't win it, guys. But you know what? I'm still supporting them. And I'll protect them from anything that you guys <laughs> throw at them the rest of this season. And then whatever's not there, you can fill in with the uh, green pitch. I feel like Hector Herrera should be on there somewhere. Um, he's got to like roomy next season. You got to have Darwin Sarin and on there somewhere getting a yellow or a red card with brutalizing someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, him. Oh wait, can, can Coco, you get Hadebi, Tim Parker, and Sarin all like beating the mess out of somebody? <laughs> Okay. And uh, can Darwin Quintero be like getting a piggyback from Sebus <laughs> as he's kicking? <laughs> no, they'll they'll be holding hands. You know, they'll be, <laughs> there'll be a, two men holding hands, and that'll be well, right. guys. I think with that, we're gonna have to wrap this up. This has been Amen. an incredible season. We have loved talking about the Houston Dynamo with you guys. It hasn't been the season we all hoped for, but maybe the one we expected, not the one we deserved. So just going to say it. Thank you, guys. We're so grateful that y'all listen. Keep tuning in next season. We're going to do this again, I'm pretty sure. And we love you guys. We're grateful. Listen to it. Like it. Subscribe. You're not going to want to miss what we have coming next. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Barry, Kyle McGuire, Emmett Rumfield, and James Franklin. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff with marketing and design from Zach Billow. Dynabot is powered by predictions from 538 Club Soccer Predictions. Learn more at 538.com. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. I legitimately don't remember what name I threw out there. It's like Mazagadio or something. The Stuttgart guy, the guy that just oh, got fired. I'm sure okay. it wasn't Mazagadio. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Maserati. <laughs> Mazagadio. Okay, I, I got it, I got it. All right. <laughs> It's a me, I'm Mario. Three, two, one. Sensky, how many times have we told you we do a podcast? No one sees anything. There's no pictures. I look at anywhere. my phone when I listen, okay? Unless I'm driving. <laughs> Unless I'm driving cops, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
cops. Addressed to all cops. <laughs> all right. Y'all are some straight up cotton headed ninny. My, 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 uh, elf. <laughs> what? We might have to edit that. <laughs> Y'all some ninny muggins. How many duck sounds were there? <laughs> all right. We're moving on. This would not be a. Episode. I, well, I couldn't say the <laughs> name. Of podcast, podcast name is Dynamo Faithful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I'm so sorry. How long we've we been doing this? It's late. It's eleven o'clock. All right, let's do this again. <laughs>